You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Uh, Nate from Redeemer came up with this wonderful, wonderful series. The idea is that we are looking at, at the Bible and we're looking at the different types of prayers that we see in the Bible prayers for things like unity, prayers for mercy, prayers for boldness, prayers for workers. Uh, and like today, prayers for justice. And what we're doing is, is we're trying to learn how to pray from the Bible. And our hope, and, and hopefully you agree with this, our hope is that if we have three churches all learning and focusing and, and reading about praying, praying for our city, man, we're really excited to see what God's going to do if we have three churches worth of people praying for justice in Madison, praying for unity in Madison, praying for workers to go into the harvest in Madison. Mercy, boldness, you get it. And so, man, I'm so excited. I'm really optimistic. I want to see what God's going to do in this. I mean, I love this kind of series. I love opening the Bible and and seeing, okay, what does the Bible tell us about things like praying, how to pray? And I love passages like this, passages that teach us about praying for justice uh, but I'll be honest with you, this is a pretty big one. This feels like a big pill to swallow. You know, trying to encapsulate praying for any of these things in 30 minutes feels like a lot. Praying for justice in 30 minutes feels like maybe an impossible task. Um, but before you feel bad for me, I picked this, so, you know, you get what you get. Um, and, and I think that... Uh, Praying for justice is one of these things that as Christians is a really complicated thing, right? There's a lot of feelings wrapped up in this, a lot of complicated feelings. This is hard. You know, I, I think uh, there's something, and I don't know if you feel this way, there's something about praying for justice that feels weird for me, right? There's something about uh, praying for justice that feels like maybe I'm not supposed to do that as a Christian, like maybe you're reading the Psalms, and you read Psalm 1, blessed is a man, great, love this. Psalm 2, a little weird. Then you get to Psalm 3, one of my favorite Psalms, and this probably speaks volumes to me. Psalm 3, the context is that David is running from his son Absalom, who's trying to kill him. And David delivers what is surely one of the most complicated, maybe messed up lines in the Bible. He prays that God would strike his enemies on the cheek and break their teeth. Now, parents, I don't know about you, but to get there, that's tough for me, right? That's hard. Doesn't feel good. You know, maybe it feels like when we come to this idea of praying for justice, it feels like we shouldn't pray for justice, but maybe forgiveness. Like, like it's improper for Christians to pray for consequences or, or punishment for wrongs. Like, we should only pray for blessings for others. Or maybe we think about Jesus' words in John 8. You remember that passage? There's a, there's a woman who was caught in adultery, and he says this famous line, you know, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And I think, well, that's not me. So, so I shouldn't be praying for this kind of stuff. I wonder, do you resonate with this? Do you resonate with these feelings? You have a hard time when you're reading the Bible, you're reading the Psalms, you're having a great time. God's good, Yes. God's gracious, yes. He's loving, yes. God's just, 
I don't know. So, today we're going to look at Psalm 7. If you'll open your Bibles with me, I'm going to read it. We're going to read it through. And we're going to see in Psalm 7, as we're going to see how to pray for justice, the biblical way to pray for justice, we're going to see that there's three steps. Okay? First, we've got to get angry. Second, we've got to get loud. And third, we've got to get quiet. Again, in praying for justice, we have to get angry, get loud, and then get quiet. Are you excited? I know I am. All right, so let's read Psalm 7, and then we'll pray. O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord, my God, if I've done this, if there is wrong in my hands... If I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. And let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it, return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked one come to an end, and may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. (coughs) If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. <coughs> Excuse me. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull does violence descend. I will give thanks to the Lord due to his righteousness, and I will sing praises to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you even for hard words like this. We just pray, God, that uh, as we approach this psalm today, that you would give us grace, that you would help us to see what you've got for us. Lord, I pray that... uh, you would speak to us today, and anything that's not from you would just be left to the side. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be glorifying to you, Lord, our God and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. All right. First step, first thing we're going to do is we're going to get angry. Are you ready? Uh, I'm sure you're already wondering. You see the preacher on stage, and he's talking about getting angry, and you get antsy. I know I would if I was in your position. Uh, You know, our culture has a very specific uh, baggage around the ideas of anger and God, doesn't it? I know that when the preacher gets too fiery or says uh, things that makes God seem mean, I get antsy. But it's really interesting. The Bible embraces things like anger and indignation, Yes, we all know the dark places that anger can go. You know, Paul warns about that. Ephesians 4, it says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be angry and do not sin. 
But the Bible doesn't shy away from these. Instead, we see that anger is a really common thread in praying for justice. And it's especially clear here in our passage. And so we're going to look at the, the first few verses and the last few verses for this. Look again, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> o Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I've done this, if there's anything on my hands, if I've repaid my friends with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. And then you see the last two, verses 14 through 16. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit digging it out and he falls into the hole that he's made. His mischief returns upon his own head and on his own skull his violence descends. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. So we see, wow, thank you. The Garcias, everybody. Uh, so we see this, that right away, we see really clearly David is angry. He's hot, okay? And for two reasons. He first, he's worked up about the things that these people are doing to him. He doesn't believe he deserves it. And second, he sees the things that are going on around him, the messed up things happening in the world. And he knows that it's wrong. And in both of these, we see the same thread of anger. It's anger that there are people slandering and abusing each other. In other words, we call it injustice. And David insists that, you know, despite what these guys are saying, he doesn't deserve what's coming at him. You know, they're saying that he's doing this, they're saying he's doing that. He said, I've not done these things. He's not innocent entirely, but he doesn't deserve this. And he compares them to hungry lions, wild and desperate, ready to pounce. Guys, in, in preparing for this sermon, I did some research on lion hunting. Let me tell you, if you want to see something gruesome, I mean, don't. Just don't Google it, <laughs> unless you're into that kind of thing. So, so I watched this video of this pack of, of African lions, and they're, they're on the brink of starvation, right? And so they're getting desperate, and so they start hunting elephants. And so I watched this pack of lions hunt uh, baby elephants. And what they do is they, they try to isolate the, the calf from the pack, and they start attacking it. But, but the elephant's skin is too dense, and so they start clawing at joints, at the feet. They're trying to hobble this calf until it's weak and it can't run anymore. And then the whole pack pounces and digs their teeth and their claws in and just drags the elephant down and then eats him alive. This is gruesome, right? This is horrible. And I wonder if any of you have experiences with people like that. I wonder if any of you know what it's like to feel hunted, to know what it's like to, to have people waiting. seems like they're waiting for you to fail, for you to fall. People who make jabs, attacks at you. I, w- I wonder if you know what it likes to feel, if you know what it feels like to, to be torn apart by people. And, and if you do, then you know what David's talking about. 
you know this feeling that he's talking about. You know why he's angry. And, and it's really important that, that we see here that the anger doesn't just come from when people do these things to us. It comes from when we see people doing this to others. When we see these things done in the world around us. And, you know, I think our culture is good at this, actually. I think our culture has a, has a good sense, has a good desire for justice. Once justice in the world, right? Our culture is becoming increasingly aware of the messed up things that are happening in the world, and they want to do something about it. But man, as Christians, sometimes we have a hard time with these responses, don't we? The responses of, of people getting angry at the injustice in the world. Sometimes you know, it feels wrong to react with anger about things that are so complicated, Right? So, uh, Kinsey and I recently uh, watching this series. I don't know if you've, you know the series, uh, 19 Kids and Counting. You know this with the Duggars? The, the family in Arkansas, 19 kids. They're part of this organization uh, called IBLP. Maybe you're familiar with this. There's a documentary that was on Amazon called uh, Shiny Happy People. Um, it's, a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to watch. If you've seen it, it's, you know what I'm talking about. It's a tough thing to watch because this organization has kind of a bad history of, of teaching people the Bible, but also a lot of other things on top of it. And a lot of, of things, especially for women, uh, really, really heavy burdens. They really burdened young girls coming up in this organization. And then it's hard to watch this. You know, as a, as a dad of a young girl, I get really angry when I watch this because I think about someone teaching my daughter these things. Right? I think about my daughter growing up with this, this kind of heaviness on her, and it makes me really angry. And, you know, our culture, you know, this, this documentary is really popular right now, this documentary series. People love this. But it's, it's complicated because this organization, IBLP, you know, they may have a bad rap or a bad history, but, man... I know a lot of people have come through this organization and have met Jesus and have had genuine encounters with him and know and love him. And in fact, the, the Duggars, many of them are, are genuine Christians who love the Lord. And so it's tough. I have friends who've come through this organization and love Jesus now. And so it's really tough because when I, when I watch this, it's hard and I'm angry and it's, it's messy. But at the same time, and some people are genuinely encountering Jesus out of this. And their lives are being transformed by the gospel and by our Lord. And, and it's really hard to know what to do with this. It's really hard to know what to do with these complicated feelings of anger around something that seems like injustice, right? And so it leads me to ask the question... Lord, what's the appropriate response here? What's the appropriate thing to do to this, or to, to respond to this? And I think we overcomplicate this. The appropriate response is to get angry. There's something bad happening. There, there is a group of Christians who are harming people, and we should be angry about that. But that's heavy, right? 
Let me tell you, the psalmist, he doesn't shy away from anger. He doesn't shy away from anger. No, he embraces it. And look, I know that might be uncomfortable. You might be uncomfortable right now hearing me talk about these things. And that's okay. But I need you to know that God gave anger for a purpose. It is the fuel by which he lights the fires of justice. Here's what I mean by that. Anger is designed by God to move us to action. It's not inherently evil or broken. You remember Ephesians 4, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Two things, right? Anger is the thing that, we, you, that responds when we see something broken and messed up in the world and moves us to act. And of course, as humans, we have a hard time discerning between good and bad anger, right and wrong. These are hard for us. But it doesn't mean that anger is inherently wrong. And we see that because in the Bible, we see all kinds of people who got angry. Peter got angry. Paul got angry. David, Moses, Elijah, they all got angry. And most importantly, guys, our Lord Jesus got angry. Do you remember the scene when Jesus is coming to Jerusalem and he goes to the temple? And he sees the people changing money and, and extorting the poor. You know what he does? He makes a whip. He makes a whip and he drives people out of the temple and he's flipping tables. He's angry. Man, if that is not a display of anger, I don't know what it is. Our Lord, even our Lord gets angry. And let me tell you, despite what our culture thinks about that, that is a good thing. Because it means that he will move. It means that he'll act. And so that brings us to our second point. After we get angry, we've got to get loud, okay? We've got to get loud. Specifically, we've got to get loud to God. What I mean is that we need to get bold and persistent in praying to him. Every prayer for justice in the Bible involves the speaker calling out to God, and usually he does it with a boldness that makes me uncomfortable. And our passage is no exception. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered around you. Over it return on high. So let's unpack a few things here. First, you see the, the words the psalmist is using to appeal to God. He's using words like, like, wake up, God. Awake, arise. And it's this picture of, of the psalmist says, you know, God, are you, are you lying down? Are you asleep right now? Are you asleep on the job? It's like he, he sees these people closing in on him, these lions, and he's getting nervous. He's sweating. He's looking around, and they're not stopping, and they're getting closer and closer. Do you, do you hear the desperation in his tone? God, wake up. God, what are you doing? I hear a lot of desperation there. He feels like, is God napping? Is he asleep? And you know, this reminds me of, this reminds me of a passage in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when the disciples in Jesus, they're on a boat, in the middle of a storm. Do you remember this passage? And, and this, they're fishing, and the storm starts raging, and Jesus is literally asleep in the boat. 
And, and they're freaking out, and they're trying everything they can do. And finally, they're like basically shaking him awake. You know, Jesus, Jesus. And, and I love the way Mark puts this. He says, they say, teacher, don't you care what's happening? It's like, God, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die here? And of course, Jesus wakes up, and then he just says, calm. And the storm stops. And then, and then he says this thing about how the disciples need more faith. Do you remember that? And I think when we hear that story, it's really easy for us to focus on that last part. Oh, they should have had more faith. Oh, they should have, they should have just trusted that Jesus was going to take care of it. But we entirely miss the whole part of the story where a group of men called out to God and he saved them. And in fact, what the disciples walk away with that walk away with after that is they say, "Who is this? Who is this guy?" And what they're doing is they're putting the pieces together, and they're realizing, "This is the Lord." We called to him, and he answered. And that brings us back to our passage, because what they knew was that. When you speak and the Lord hears that he moves and then he acts. And, and what the psalmist understands is that when you pray, when you cry out, the Lord hears. And, and prayers for justice are all predicated on the idea that when we get loud to God, he hears us. And that when God sees things going wrong, he acts. When we see the terrible injustices around us, when we experience these things, we have to get loud. We've got we to bring this to God. We've got to cry out to him because he hears those prayers. And friends, these things that upset us, that make us angry, they make him angry too. And I'll say it again, that is good news because it means that he's going to do something about it. See, in... in Almost every prayer for justice, we see this pattern where the speaker gets angry and then he cries out to God. And in every one of them, we see this pattern like this. Look at verses 10 through 13. It says, My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his, fiery, his arrows fiery shafts. Do you see what this is saying? This is battle imagery. This is, this is the picture of a king preparing for battle. You know, before you go to war... You take inventory, you prepare your weapons, you make sure everything's in order. You don't just charge out at the enemy, you take stock. That's what he's doing. He's wetting his sword, it means he's preparing, sharpening his sword, he's drawing his bow, he's getting ready for battle. And in this image, God is like a king who's been provoked by enemies, enemy nations. They've, they've come into his land. They've trampled his people's fields, destroyed their homes, killed people. Take like the picture of a king who has said, enough is enough. I'm not going to stand for my people. 
being hurt anymore. He's been provoked to anger by this. But he doesn't just fly off in a blind rage. No, he prepares. He gets things in order. The, The psalmist is saying, David's saying that the Lord is the same way. When he looks out in the world and he he sees things like men abusing women, children being sold into slavery, he sees people dying, people using his name like a weapon, he gets angry. But this almost doesn't say that he sits in heaven hurling lightning bolts. No, it says he prepares and he waits. He makes makes sure things are in order. And so importantly... You see what it says? Verse 12. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. It says that God is being patient. He's waiting for repentance, for things to change. He's being patient. Even here, even here, we see God's patience. But man, we can't confuse Patience with inactivity. No, God will move. He will bring justice. It says he's a righteous judge, meaning that he can perfectly distinguish between right and wrong. And it's specifically because of that that he gets angry. (coughs) Because he's the righteous judge, he will judge. Are we all uncomfortable yet? I am. I'm sure you are. <coughs> you know, let's talk of, of God's wrath. This is, a, this is a hard conversation. This is difficult. But, but let me give you a picture. Let me give you a picture of, of why we want a God who acts. Imagine this scene with this king, Okay. Now imagine this king knows that people are coming into his land, that, that enemies are coming in and destroying the fields. <coughs> Excuse me. And so people are going to starve this year. And imagine the king knows that people are coming in and destroying homes. Okay, this, this number of people are homeless now. Imagine the king knows that, that people are coming in and, and taking people, killing them, selling them to slavery. Okay, this... This amount of the population is gone. Now imagine this king doesn't do anything about it. Would, would we say he's a good king? But, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting angry. I'm controlling my anger. I'm, I'm not going to retaliate or, or lash back. We say, no, no. Your job is to make sure things are right. Okay, let's get more complicated. Imagine this king knows that crime is rampant in his kingdom. People are stealing from each other. People are killing each other. Is he a good king because he just overlooks all of these things? No. No, we want him to keep justice and peace, right? And in the same way... As is, is, is hard as it is, we want a God who gets angry and who does something. 
Because guys, when, when I look out in this world, I see these kinds of things. I see children being sold into slavery. I see people being hurt. I see, <coughs> I see people selling philosophies that, that harm. I see leaders taking advantage of the people they're leading. I see corrupt governments. I see, do, do, you, do I need to go on? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we're surrounded by this stuff. Guys, we have to get loud because it's bad out there. And, you know, it's, it's bad in here, too. And that's why the third step for praying for justice is to get quiet. We see that at the end. David pumps the brakes. He says this in verses 8 through 9. He said, the Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end and may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. Suddenly David starts to get a little introspective. And, And it's important, I think it's appropriate, that we do too. Because when we do, we realize there's a problem. And we've just established that God is a good God. He's a righteous judge. That that he tests hearts and minds. And that he judges perfectly. And if we believe that, then when we consider what is in our hearts and minds, it's, it's normal to get uncomfortable. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, you know, all of those things out there in the world that make me angry, man, they're in here too. You know, this, this IBLP organization, you know, it makes me angry that someone would use the teaching, you know, use, use the Bible to advance personal gain, right? But... Man, like, haven't I, like, lied to somebody before so that they would think better of me? Don't I do that maybe more than I'd care to admit? Isn't that kind of the same thing? Manipulating. Or, or you know, I think about, like, <clears throat> organizations like this and, and, and them, like, hurting my daughter. But, man, like, haven't I lost my temper at my daughter? Haven't I heard her? You see what I'm saying? That's only a few examples. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we know our hearts. We know our minds. We know our pasts. We know the things that we've done. We know that the things that we think and say and do are, are abhorrent to God. And here we are praying for justice from a good, just God. And so what do we do? 
Here's the catch-22 of Christians praying for justice. Do we get loud and pretend like we're spotless? God, do something about those people. I'm so glad I'm not like them. Have you heard that? Or, or then do we just get quiet and we say, Lord, I just need mercy. I'm messed up. I can't say anything about anyone else. And friends, the answer in the Psalms is both. A resounding both. Both are necessary and important. And as Christians, we ought to be able to live in this space unlike anyone else in the world. Because as people who know the law of God and know about what grieves our God, we should be loud about the things in the world that are messed up. We need our Lord to do something about them. And as people who know the law of our God, and people who know what grieves our God, we ought to have the humility to say, man, I am not better than anyone else. I'm no different. See, I think our culture can produce one of the two. The world can produce one of those two. But our world cannot produce people who are passionate about justice and humble about their own shortcomings. And compassionate even to the villains. You know, that's something very unique to Christianity, very unique to the gospel, because it's a unique feature of the gospel. And we see on the cross God's justice displayed so perfectly for us. We see Jesus, the Son of God, the only truly innocent human, went willingly to his own death, where he was attacked, where his pursuers tore him apart, where... The one man in the history of the world could genuinely and without fault say David's prayer. Oh Lord, if I have done this, if there is wrong on my hands. And yet, even though he hadn't, he did take the punishment. He got the rewards of a life of sin. And then as we know, he rose defeating sin and death. And in the gospel, we see God's justice on display. And friends, it's not quite what we would have expected. Rather than the guilty one hanging there, paying the price, Jesus, the innocent one, is. God poured his wrath out on his own son. He brought justice to the wicked, but he did it in such a surprising way. In a way I wouldn't have anticipated. He paid the price himself and righted wrongs. And so now because of that, we have a different perspective on things. We have a different perspective on this because of the gospel. Now we know, without a shadow of a doubt, that God takes injustice, sin, brokenness. He takes these things very seriously. You could say deadly serious. So seriously that he himself had to die. But at the same time, he's tackling these problems in ways we wouldn't expect. And so when we come to these complicated issues in our world, these complicated things that we get angry about and we don't understand, guys, this is the point where we have to come back to God and we can't let our limitations keep us from praying about them. What do we do about this Christian organization that has hurting people but also leading people to Jesus what do we do with that? 
we ask God to intervene. Because he can sort this out. He can pull the good and the bad out of this. He can set things right. It's really important that we still get angry and get loud about these issues. Even though we're similarly guilty. And the answer is not just to say, well, I'm the better, I'll shut up. No, the answer is to get loud even and especially about our own brokenness inside of us. See, the biblical picture of praying for justice is that we are so passionate about things being right that we are even willing to look inside ourselves and grieve those things in us that grieve God. And with the same passion and fire that we pray for others, we pray for justice to come in our lives. See, our, our, our problem as Christians is not that we are passionate and hypocritical. Our problem is that we're not passionate enough. Because if we truly were, it'd be one of those things where we're first in line to get sorted out and fixed. So I'll end with this. We've seen these three steps. We've seen the three parts of praying for justice. We've got to get angry, we've got to get loud, and then we've got to get quiet. But there's kind of a fourth step, a secret fourth step. We have to get ready. We have to pray for the Lord to come and fix all this. As we've demonstrated, we need him to come sort this out for us. This is too messy. This is too complicated. This is too much for me, for you, for any of us. We need God to come and fix this and make things right. And we see that so perfectly. The very end of the Bible, Revelation 22, 20. After the whole book of Revelation says this. He who testifies to these things says, Jesus says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So in order to really pray for justice, we have to pray for King Jesus to come back and to set it all straight for us. So let's join the church throughout history and pray that. Let's pray, King Jesus, come back. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we recognize our, our shortcomings here, God. Recognize our limitations. Recognize the ways that uh, we see that the world is not how it should be and that we are not how we should be. Lord, we just thank you for what you've done on the cross. And, and Lord, uh, like we said, we join the church throughout the world and the church throughout history, and we pray, King Jesus, that you would come soon. We need you, Lord, to, to, to come sort this out and to make everything right. And Lord, we know that when you do, it'll be good, and it'll be the way that, that it was always meant to be, and, and uh, like you said in Revelation, there'll be no, no more tears, no more sickness, and it'll be with you, God. We look forward to that. We anticipate it. We pray again, King Jesus, come soon. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.